This is Lisa Davis with another Feast Day Quick Take that is actually a Feast Season Quick Take leading up to Shrove Tuesday. So there is a school of thought out there that celebrating Mardi Gras is not a very Catholic thing to do. There are mumblings and whispers and sometimes sneers that the very word carnival implies sins of the flesh. And don't get me wrong, this feeling of taintedness is understandable, seeing as this pre-Lenten festival has been an excuse for debauchery for quite some time. We all know that in New Orleans and Rio de Janeiro, for instance, the day before Ash Wednesday has become a free-for-all, an excuse to flout the commandments, making a mockery of the innocent old ways, from back in the day when these places were Catholic. But the roots of the Shrove Tuesday celebration, their very point, started out Catholic, regardless of the nomenclature and how it's come to be perceived. I'd like to talk a little bit about this, beginning with that funny word, Shrovetide. The suffix tide, tagged on the end of a word, is fair warning that you're going to need to blow off some dust, as it's almost guaranteed to be an ancient word for an ancient thing, probably Catholic, going back to the Middle Ages at least. Coming from the Old English word tiden, this affix means, quote, an ecclesiastical anniversary or festival, as well as its accompanying season, end quote. In this case, we are talking about the pre-Lenten season beginning on Septuagesima Sunday, continuing through Sexagesima Sunday and Quinquagesima Sunday, also known as Shrove Sunday, and including Shrove Monday and Shrove Tuesday. So that's settled. What you might ask is a shrove. Are you picturing a critter like a groundhog popping out of a hole holding a sign to remind us that Lent is coming? It's okay to laugh about these things. This season of Shrovetide is the light-hearted preface to the serious season of Lent. A little silliness is allowed. We are in a time of preparation before a time of preparation. We don't have to buckle down quite yet. If I were homeschooling right now, I would challenge my children to draw a shrove before getting down to the etymology of the word and its definition. To wit, shrove is a medieval term, past tense for shrive, and to shrive is to forgive one's sins, something a priest needs to do for us before we embark on a good and holy Lenten season. Shrovetide, then, means confession time. Along with going to confession in order to enter the Lenten season with sparkling clean souls, we look ahead to the penitential season with an eye toward what we'll be offering up to prepare for the glorious feast of Easter. All the talk in Catholic circles right now is about what we'll be giving up. Who is going to take the plunge and give up coffee or sweets? Will we turn off the TV? Should we observe media silence for the 40 days? All this and more is up for prayerful consideration. And Shrove Tuesday, the day before Ash Wednesday, is the last day to make up our minds and indulge in our soon-to-be-sacrificed pleasures within reason. Following all the commandments, we can certainly enjoy ourselves, as St. John Bosco used to say, but without sinning. It's no secret that there are people, cities, actually whole countries, who have taken the Catholic understanding of feast before the fast and corrupted it, turning Shrove Tuesday in particular into nothing but an excuse to sin. The Mardi Gras festivals, which may have begun innocently enough, are now mostly wicked. 
If you care about saving your soul, you won't go anywhere near them. But the notion of Mardi Gras started out with a practical purpose for Catholics. Coming from the French, the words themselves literally mean Fat Tuesday. And though you might think fat, in this sense, is symbolic of overindulgence and poor decision-making, that's not actually the case, at least not originally. In the old days, beginning actually near the start of the 7th century, Pope St. Gregory the Great imposed a strict Lenten fast prohibiting for the 40 days not only meat, but all animal byproducts like milk, cheese, butter, eggs, and lard. Catholic housewives had a grand time cooking up, often frying up, treats full of eggs and butter like pancakes, punchkis, and beignets in order to use up all these pantry items, all the fat, before Ash Wednesday, thus Fat Tuesday. Now the word carnival originally came from the Italian word carne lavare. You can hear the obvious Latin roots there, right? It translates as lifting or removing, the lavare part, carne, which of course means flesh or meat. Put together, it means just what you'd expect, removing meat. This is generally considered the original source of the word. You'll sometimes hear that it comes from farewell or vale to meet, carne. Either way, though, it means the same thing. The original point of the celebration before Ash Wednesday was to say goodbye to and finish off the foods and other luxuries and habits that the faithful would be offering up during Lent. By the 20th century, the term carnival had evolved to mean a kind of circus or fair, retaining a shadow of the outward form but losing for most the meaning of the celebration. Sadly, by the 1920s, when this meaning was entered into English dictionaries officially, we were not only seeing Catholic meanings starting to disappear from lexicons, but from life in general. Nowadays, we seldom if ever hear the word Shrovetide, and the notion of carnival in connection with this time before Lent has been corrupted by the world to have an unsavory meaning. But it doesn't have to have an unsavory meaning for us. It's still in our hands in this fallen world to make our own worlds Catholic again, to create what is being called these days a counterculture in our own lives. Many families and parishes already do this, Following along on the calendar, adding to the treasury of liturgical observances and masses, many churches and families host special celebrations throughout the year. During the 12 days of Christmas, for instance, or to celebrate the patronal feast days of churches and families. On our own name days, and on feast days of saints special to us for any number of reasons, like St. Lucy, St. Patrick, St. Casimir, and St. Valentine. But how many are aware of the whole and entire celebration of Carnival that at one time extended from January 6th all the way to Ash Wednesday? An entire season of good, wholesome fun, long enjoyed by our ancestors in Catholic Europe. Have you ever wondered what folks did before television and internet? Well, besides reading books, writing letters, and making things with their hands, they planned get-togethers. And this season between Christmas tide and Lent and the downtime of winter was one of the times of year our ancestors particularly enjoyed for this reason. I'd like to read from one of Maria von Trapp's books. Yes, the Maria von Trapp from The Sound of Music. The book is called Around the Year with the Trapp Family. We have the 1955 edition, but it was reprinted in 2018 by Sophia Institute. 
I haven't heard that the text has been tampered with in the new edition, but you can also still find the older versions in thrift books and a-books and sometimes on eBay. I think I've mentioned before that our family gleaned many of its annual traditions, especially those surrounding Holy Week, from the Von Trapp family. And Maria was a wonderful writer, full of wisdom and a heart for our faith that is as relevant and applicable today as it was in the 1950s. So, from Maria Von Trapp's Around the Year with the Trapp Family, from the chapter entitled, A Time to Dance, Carnival. St. Catherine closes the door of the dance hall until the three holy kings throw it wide open again, is a saying in the Catholic countries. This means that with the Feast of St. Catherine, November 25th, the church enters the closed time. In these weeks, good Christians are not allowed to attend public dances and are not supposed to have a big festive wedding celebration. There are two such closed times between November 25th and Christmas and again between Ash Wednesday and Easter Sunday. In former times, the weeks of Advent were called the Little Lent and the people fasted almost as carefully as they would in the Big Lent, big only because it lasted longer. Fasting during the Little Lent is all but forgotten now, but the character of this closed time is still very much respected in Catholic countries. In order to make up for these two periods of abstinence from dancing and merrymaking, there is sandwiched in between a time that is, on the contrary, even dedicated to dancing and feasting of any kind. In Austria, these weeks are called Fasching. In Latin countries, they are known by the name Carnivale, the Latin name is usually translated as meet farewell or carnivale. As we know, one main feature of fasting is usually the abstinence from meat. Here in the United States, we have come across the word carnival almost exclusively in connection with the Mardi Gras celebration in New Orleans, so that people have the idea that carnival is celebrated only on the day before Ash Wednesday. This, however, is not so. Carnival is a season extending over several weeks. It is not equally long each year depending on whether Easter falls earlier or later, but it always begins January 6th and ends at midnight before Ash Wednesday. Nobody could stand a Thanksgiving Day dinner every day of the year. There can only be mountains if there are also valleys. It's a pity that the Reformation did away not only with most of the sacraments and all of the sacramentals, but also, unfortunately, with the very breath of the mystical body, that wonderful eternal rhythm of high and low tide that makes up the year of the church. Times of waiting alternate with times of fulfillment, the lean weeks of Lent with the feasts of Easter and Pentecost, times of mourning with the seasons of rejoicing. Modern man lost track of this. Deep down in the human heart, however, is embedded the craving to celebrate, and in a dumb way, the other craving to abstain, perhaps to atone. In general, these cravings are no longer directed in seasonal channels as they are for Catholics, or even for the Aborigine, who participates in some tribal religious belief. So modern man, one day, any day, gets up and says, let's celebrate, and without any warrant, he decrees that his town from now on will have a festival on, let's say, August 18th. And as he can dance and eat and drink on any day between January 1st and December 31st, the most he will experience is a good time but he will never be able to celebrate a feast. It should be our noble right and duty to bring up our children in such a way that they become conscious of high tide and low tide, and that they learn that there is a time to weep and a time to laugh, 
a time to mourn and a time to dance. The rhythm of nature, as it manifests itself in the four seasons, in day and night, in the individual's heartbeat and breathing, this rhythm we should learn to recognize and to treat with more reverence. Modern man has become used to turning day into night and night into day, according to his whim or pleasure. He has managed to lose contact completely with himself. He has lost the instinct for the right food and drink, stuffing himself with huge quantities of the wrong things and feeding himself sick. But worst of all, and this sounds almost ridiculous, in the process of growing up, he forgot the right kind of breathing. Only babies nowadays know how to breathe. Every voice teacher can prove this sad truth. Again, it is our faithful friend, Holy Mother Church, who leads her children first back to nature in order to make them ready to receive supernatural grace. Gracia soponit naturum. Looked upon in this light, the weeks of carnival are a most necessary time for the individual as well as for families and communities. This period is set aside for us to let off steam, to have a good time, and for this we need company. Therefore, Carnival is most obviously the season for parties and family get-togethers, to which the married children come home as they do for Thanksgiving Day dinner, with the avowed intention of having that good time together. Children who grew up this way, and for whom Carnival has become a cherished tradition, will always gladly return once a year for this happy purpose. Carnival is the time to be social, to give and to receive invitations for special parties. It is the time to celebrate as a parish group, perhaps once every week, maybe on Sunday afternoons. Again, from long experience, I must say, all these parties must have someone who plans and shapes them, and, very important, terminates them. It is a requirement for a successful party to know when to stop. Whoever feasts too long gets disillusioned, said an old proverb, and a little less would have been more, is the verdict on many in an unsuccessful social event. Therefore, one person or a small committee, small, mind you, should make the plans, where to meet and when, for how long, what to eat and drink, and what the topic of the evening will be. There seems to be something in human nature that makes us want to dress up once in a great while, to pretend to be somebody else, and this is true not only of children. As our family is so large, we were always self-sustaining when it came to celebrating feasts. The most hilarious evenings were those when we all came in fancy dress. It helps greatly if there is a theme to the evening, such as, Whom I Would Like to Be, or International Evening or a get-together of our great-grandchildren in the year 2000. Oh, notabene, how funny is that, you guys? Or circus, when everyone comes as an active member, human or animal, of a traveling circus. Or it goes on and on. There is no end to good ideas. The main thing is that everyone should take over a role and play it the whole evening within the general frame of the theme. And there is a deeper meaning in all this, too, because everyone would like to be somebody else once in a while. Now, it would not be carnival without dancing. Mankind has danced since before the time of King David, and always will, for it seems to be an irreplaceable means of expression. In the United States, there is a marked revival of interest in genuine old folk dances. Although America is spoken of as a new country, everything American once came from an old country. 
It would be most interesting and rewarding if every family would search earnestly for the folk dances of its own people, its ancestors. Much research has been done recently and many good books. Many records are now available. Let us think of the wonderful entertainment at a parish party if people were asked to contribute a folk dance from the country where their family came from, of course in national costume. And this should not be taken lightly. I see no other way to protect our young people from the frequent pernicious influence of modern ballroom dancing. Another nota bene, today is so much worse. There is no use in just talking against it. Something better has to be substituted. On other evenings, we might have fun at home by learning to play new games. Do we realize that there are hundreds, literally hundreds, of most entertaining games? We just don't know them. By inquiring among friends and by looking up books, we should be able to add a few good ones to our repertoire every year during the weeks of Carnival. This is an indispensable store to draw from when there are parties to be arranged for family or other feasts during the rest of the year. Let us put these weeks of Carnival to use and learn to dance together, play together, and sing together. Yes, sing together, but not the superficial, mediocre hits of the jukebox, short-lived like the fly. Let us rather make it our business to find tunes among the good old folk songs, so that we have something to contribute when we meet the others on Sunday afternoons. Spent like this, the weeks of Carnival seem to fly. Every day the family is eagerly looking forward to the evening's program, whether it be singing or folk dancing or playing games or masquerading. One more feature of carnival time is the food and drink, the specialties of the season. To understand the special character of carnival pastry, why it is always fried in deep fat, why it is full of eggs and milk and meat, we have to go back to the beginning, when Lent was really the time of fast and abstinence, when it was forbidden not only to eat meat, but also milk and cream, and everything made thereof, such as butter and cheese. These last days before Ash Wednesday are the climax of Carnival. In the Catholic countries, where Lent afterwards would be taken seriously, work was stopped. People made merry practically day and night. In South America, it still seems to be this way, according to stories we have heard about Rio. The last day of Carnival is Mardi Gras, or Faschingdienstag, or Fat Tuesday. This should be a big celebration, if possible, of the whole parish together, or a circle of friends, and everything which one did during the previous weeks should be done just one more time. Once more this dance, once more this song, once more this game, until twelve o'clock sharp. When the clock strikes twelve in the middle of the dance, according to the good old tradition, one should stop, and the whole group should kneel down and say one Our Father together, and then rising up say, I wish you a blessed season of Lent, and go home. It has to be experienced to be fully believed, but there is a great blessing on such a carnival time shared in a family. To have spent a good carnival will finally prove to the greater honor and glory of God in enabling us to spend a good Lent. End quote. And this is the end of the chapter, and the good counsel of Maria von Trapp. Some things to consider, if not this year, perhaps to plan for next year. God bless, and best wishes for a happy, joyful Shrove Week, leading to a fruitful and holy Lent. This is Lisa, signing off. <music>